0: But I really do believe that the brain and the body are capable of healing themselves A lot of times we just need help doing that and kind of the good old boy like just you know wish it away No, we all need help and neurofeedback is a way to give your brain that help
1: It hurts to be pretty pretty all right. Welcome back to it hurts to be pretty podcast. I'm angel And I'm Lexi, and we are getting into the subject of mental health today. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, we have a very special guest from Brain Code Centers. We are so excited. I met you briefly at Toro. Yes. I walked in, and these two hot girls approached me, and they're like, you need to come in. And I was like, (laughs) wait, where? No, I just want to thank you for... Coming in and explaining this because I am very curious about it. I know very little about it. I have done some research, but I know my good friend Taylor has gone to you guys and a few other people who have spoken very highly of your center. So. We're going to start with Lexi. She has a few questions, I know. I do. And I was going to mention, you know, we're no strangers to
2: struggling with mental health, whether it be depression. I've had severe ADHD my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I think after mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. Yep. Hence the tequila that we're going to crack open after this. But for me, traditional therapy and psychiatry, it seems to kind of hit a point where it stops working. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what neurofeedback is exactly Mm -hmm. and how it
0: works, how it's different than therapy. So why don't you go into, I guess, exactly what is neurofeedback? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So I am with the company Brain Code Centers, and we are a brain mapping and neurofeedback company. So we specialize in kind of specifically brain mapping and neurofeedback, but also just generally mental health. So Rachel Lambert is the owner of Brain Code Centers, and I'm the senior vice president of business development, but I also have been a neurotherapist for many years. Um, both of us have master's degrees in clinical mental health and then licensure in clinical mental health as well. Brain mapping and neurofeedback. So brain mapping is essentially, we are taking scans of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. So we are looking at not only, it's kind of on the same playing field as a CT or an MRI or an EEG, except that we're not only looking for structural damage in the brain. So it's not that we won't see it if someone has had a brain injury or concussion or something. It's not that we're not going to see that, but that's not the only thing that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the electrical and neurological wave activity happening in the brain. And Literally, everything is going to show itself to us in a neurological pattern. Anxiety, depression, ADD, bipolar, trauma, PTSD, brain injuries, sleep issues. All of those things manifest themselves within patterns. And that's really what we specialize in and what we're looking for. And then the actual neurofeedback treatment. So that's what we start with. And it's kind of our map, if you will, to tell us even what's going on, because mental health is psychology is an interesting field in that it's the only field of medicine that we don't measure the organ that we're going to treat, right? If you've ever been on an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety or something, you didn't, you didn't have a scan you might have done some blood work with another doctor, but generally it's symptomology based, right? Okay, I have these symptoms. Okay, let's try Zolof. Let's try, you know, what mm-hmm. Xanax, whatever. Okay, that didn't work. All right, let's change the dose, let's try a different med. It's kind of throwing spaghetti against a wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. With neural, we want to see exactly what's going on, as anxiety can show itself in about 50 different patterns in the brain. Mm-hmm. So if we're training just based off of symptoms and A lot of neurofeedback clinicians do. That's not how we choose to do neurofeedback, but some people do. We want to know exactly what we're going in for so that you have the best and fastest results possible neurofeedback is actually brainwave training. So we are operantly conditioning and training or teaching the brain, if you will, to work differently and to serve you better. So um, we start off when you come in, you always have a couple of small copper electrodes on your head. If you look at our Instagram, you'll see, you know, people with caps and stuff. That's usually for the map. Normal sessions is just little electrodes. And then the feedback loop of neurofeedback is the electrodes are going to pick up the electricity. It's going to go into an amplifier, into the software, and then actually be fed back to you through visual, auditory, and tactile forms of reward, watching, listening, holding. Those things really are working kind of as a mirror for your brain, that your brain gets to experience in real time what it's doing and training itself, like... If you've ever given a speech, right, or done Toastmasters or something, Mm -hmm. people tell us to practice in front of a mirror so that we can correct behavioral changes, Mm -hmm. our face, our body language. With neurofeedback, we're correcting neurological changes. And neurofeedback has come such a long way. It actually started in like the 1940s. And it was literally a red light and a green light. And when the red light was on, you weren't being rewarded. And then the green light would pop on. And now we can watch Netflix and play brain games. And it's you know super interesting and engaging. But essentially, we are rewarding the brain. Through novelty forms of stimulus, lights and sounds and action, only when it's producing the wave activity that's favorable to you, creating new neurological patterns and committing those to permanency, changing that brain, that brainwave chemistry.
2: Does this work in
0: combination with additional therapies or medication, or is this a replacement for that? Great question. So here's what I would say about medication. And I think that medication, there is absolutely a time and a place for it, right? I think Probably as a culture, we are over medicated. Mm-hmm. I see people come in on multiple different types of benzos, which is a specific type of medication that is really addictive and hard to get off of. And, you know, these other things. So I, I'm more of a believer that medication should be kind of a short term fix mm-hmm. while you're looking for a long term solution. And I would say as a culture, we tend to use it as a really long term solution and it, it I don't believe it should be designed for that. So many people come to us to help get off of medication. Mm -hmm. Right now, right, let's say that you're, you know, you take a regular anti-anxiety medication and people are like, well, I've tried to get off of it. And every time I try to get off of it, you know, I feel crummy. Well, yeah, because really nothing has changed, right? Medication is changing your brain momentarily, which is why you, it has a shelf life, which is why you have to keep taking it. So when you stop taking it, nothing has changed in your brain that it it doesn't need that anymore. It still does. Versus with neuro, if we're changing your brain as you start to wean down on that, let's say, you know, the medication is taking you down and and we're taking you down. Okay, well, now you're getting the double whammy. So you need to wean off the medication so that the neuro is now doing what the medication was doing, but permanently teaching your brain to do it on its own.
1: Are you guys able to diagnose bipolar anxiety Mm. after the scan? Are
0: you guys certified to say like, so you are bipolar? Great question. So our licenses do allow us to diagnose. So we are allowed to diagnose. Generally, we choose not to just because I think that kind of labels are really thrown around a lot, right, that we have these kids who have just, you know, like, Lexi, you had said about ADHD. I see so many young people diagnosed with ADD, ADHD. And then I look at their brain scans and they really don't show a pattern for it, right? And it doesn't mean that they don't have the same symptomology. They absolutely do. It's just a different neurological pattern. So I would say we tend to be very selective. Like we, we generally don't. If there are insurance purposes and we need to put a diagnostic code, we will and we can. But I tend to shy away from it just because... You know, perhaps someone's brain does show a pattern for bipolar. Ultimately, the symptomology might be, you know, impulsivity, some anxiety, things like that. I'm going to treat that with neurofeedback either way, whether I give them a diagnosis or not. So there's not there's not always a need for it.
2: Got it. How many sessions does it typically take
0: for someone to notice difference yeah. and what's the time frame? Yeah, definitely. Everyone's different in kind of the total amount of sessions that they need. Everything that we do is completely individualized and tailored. With the way that brain code centers does neurofeedback, there is absolutely no kind of one size fit all, right? But I would say most people generally within around 10 to 15 sessions are starting to notice some change. Whether that's, oh my gosh, I, you know, I'm noticing myself sleeping a little bit better. I'm waking, feeling more rested. I'm noticing myself focusing differently. I I don't have as much anxiety. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? It would be just kicking if we could go to the gym and have, you know, a banging body in like five days. That's not for that's real. That's the dream. <laughs> that is, that's always the dream, right? We go on a diet and two days later, we're like, I've lost 50 pounds. That's not real. It's kind of that for slow, Lexi, gradual change. maybe t- it yeah. kind of is. She doesn't go to the gym ever and I can wear a wrestling suit. She actually said that. She's like, I don't suit. like working out. I'm like... Really? Yeah. Uh, you, that body doesn't work that, out. That's that cool. I know so it's fine. great
2: for mental health, though. And that's something else yeah. as well. I noticed I'm so much less focused. I'm sleeping terribly yeah. and I'm moody and pissy all the time because I haven't exercised. So exercise
0: mm. is so good for your brain. Yeah. Ugh. Absolutely.
2: Working hand in hand, coming into your office and at home, I kind of want to yeah. go through a couple things yeah um, and
0: you can go through some tips so- absolutely obviously we think neurofeedback is the best thing ever I think you know really anybody can benefit from neurofeedback from you know whether there's actually something going on or we do a ton of peak performance training for people who just want their brains to be better but actually Rachel and I um are we do keynote speaking as well so we speak to large companies small executive groups and we do a lot of we talk a lot about kind of what can I do now right okay. it's such a nice idea that everybody can come in and do neurofeedback but what are some some other things that I can do at the moment. So one thing that I absolutely love is box breathing. And if you're unfamiliar with box breathing, it's literally breathing in for four, holding that for four, breathing out for four and holding that for four mm-hmm. and doing that whether that's for a minute, two minutes, it's actually going to bring your brain kind of back to a place of homeostasis. It's going to bring down your heart rate and just get you out of if you're in kind of a fight or flight state, it's really going to help bring you down that. I mean, I do it all the time myself. I actually, we met with someone, a a gentleman who lives in California. It was a business connection. And without any prompting, he was talking about box breathing. And he was like, I committed to doing box breathing for a year. He was like, it completely changed my life. Kind of like meditation, right? People talk about meditation. But a lot of people talk about meditation. Meditation is actually really hard for a lot of people, right? That if you yes, if you have a busy brain, yeah. No, it's it's a
1: really it's really hard to master. It's hard to stay focused. I dived deep into meditation uh, a couple years ago, and. It's still hard for me to be honest, but it did help me a lot.
0: Yeah, and it's awesome. But for a lot of people, you know, we kind of I think that we put it as like everybody should meditate. And then I look at people's brains who are five standard deviations above the mean and fast wave activity. I'm like, there's no way. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably (laughs) Uh, yeah. I bet two seconds of meditating and you want to crawl out of your skin, right? So box breathing is a great something great that you can do that you're focused on that you're thinking about. So it's not clear your mind. Well. You know, some people can't. So it's a really great thing to kind of tangibly do. I also love bilateral stimulation tapping. Um, so literally tapping on either side of the body, um, slowly, quickly. There are actually, um, devices that you can get. They're called touch points. The website is the touch point solution and they're actually wristbands that you put on and they kind of do it for you. They give you a little buzz, but obviously that's something that you'd have to buy and then keep with you. You can literally tap yourself anywhere or have someone tap on you. So sometimes before clients will train, I'll actually tap on their temples just, again, to help kind of bring their brain and their body back to a place of homeostasis.
2: Is that the same thing as neuro-linguistic tapping or is that different?
0: I would not say that I'm as well-versed with neuro-linguistics, so I I couldn't say. But tapping is used for a lot of different things, so possibly.
1: Yeah, even for injections, you Mm. sometimes tap. What does that do? It helps them think about the tapping rather than the initial... Oh, kind
0: basis. of like those little buzzer thing, like the little mm-hmm. stick buzzer thing that you can get that yeah. so you're not thinking about the Botox yeah. or whatever.
1: <laughs> I have a question yeah. um, because a few of my kids struggle with anxiety. Yeah. Uh, do you consider uh, brain code setters to be a mm-hmm. cure to really help if they really follow through the plan and got through you know the course that you yeah. put someone on to really say like, hey, is there like a graduation like certificate? Like (laughs) hey, you have no more anxiety because and no offense to what you do, but in society with the world, like for me, social media, running a business, worrying about my grown kids, there's killings or shootings. And so, you know, even if we were to do this, it's like a tug of war, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like when you work out, but then you, you know, sometimes you still want that extra donut. So it's like this tug of war in your mind, especially for me, who I actually suffer from anxiety because of my business. And I've, I've come a long way yeah. and I've been open about my Lexapro. I'm not ashamed to say that I've gotten on medication because it was really, really bad at one point. Yeah, And so for me, I'm trying to wean myself off that medication. Yeah. So working out has helped all that has helped do you consider your center to be something that can say like hey guess what you graduated you don't have any more anxiety
0: that's a fantastic question I would really steer clear of the word cure I don't I don't like it I don't really associate with it just because you know what exactly does that mean like you said is that taking your anxiety from a 10 to a one is that it okay, so is that gone? It's so much better. Is it, you know, for some people, even if we could bring it down to a five, that is absolutely life-changing. I So I would probably stay away from the word cure. Do I have people all the time who come in who started off as a 10? I have panic attacks every day. I'm literally crawling out of my skin. I haven't slept well in 10 years. To when they leave, I don't even remember what anxiety feels like. Absolutely, yes. I still wouldn't use the word cure. And kind of to touch on what you said, I completely agree, right? We live in a world that is, I mean, even in the last couple of years, friggin' stressful, right? Mm -hmm. You can't turn on the TV. You can't get on social media without being bombarded with really tragic things, right? And also, you know, when you're a boss lady, you're, you know, hustling, that also brings a certain amount of stress and anxiety. Neurofeedback is not meant to necessarily like change that drive. It's how your brain manages it, Mm -hmm. right? So sometimes, and I hear this from people, well, anxiety motivates me, right? Well, I, I need the anxiety because that's what, that's what gets me going. No, it, like yeah. that can come from a totally different place, a clean place. So anxiety, everyone has the same brain waves. We have delta waves, which are like deep, slow, restorative sleep, theta, kind of drifting into sleep, not fully awake, not fully asleep. Alpha is a receptor wave that kind of helps push your brain around mm-hmm. up into the fast, down into the slow. Beta should be clean, focused energy. Too much and we're overstimulated, too little and we're under motivated. And then high beta is our fight or flight, right? Like literally I'm being chased by a bear right now. Mm -hmm. And we need it. We absolutely need high beta. If you are about to rear-end the person in front of you and you slam on the brakes, whoo, that high beta kicks in because you are, you know, your safety is in jeopardy, all these things. We should if our brain is really healthy, transition back out of that in about 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Some people live there. A lot of us live in high beta, right? We sit there all the time. And that's why we take things like Lexapro, right? These things that help chemically bring us down. The goal of neurofeedback is to be able to teach your brain to go in and out of these brainwave states in a really healthy way. Mm -hmm. If your brain sits and lives in high beta, four standard deviations above the mean, you're going to feel pretty crummy. It's going to be pretty awful, right? If we can teach your brain to utilize more theta wave activity. So, hey, when something stressful happens at work, as it will, right, you own a business, rather than that immediate, right, that chest tightness, that brain racing, that, oh, my gosh, you know, the sky is falling. What if it felt like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, something happened. I'm going to handle it. I did handle it. Now it's done. Well, Oh, do I have to go into that state of fight or flight? Right now, probably yes. The goal is to teach your brain to... Not necessarily have to get up to 100, right? I hear this from people. Well, my, you know, my kid or my brain or whatever goes from zero to 100. Oh my gosh, they just fly off the handle. The reality is your brain's probably never at zero. Mm -hmm. The reality is your brain probably actually lives at a hot 95. So then when it's triggered, we freak out and it feels like we went, you know, zero to 100. We didn't. If we can teach your brain to sit at 20 and then something happens, maybe it gets up to, you know, 35. But that 90 is is really no longer even an option for your brain. Yeah. So it's not that we're, you know, oh, we're going to cure all anxiety. We want to teach your brain to be flexible. We want to use your neuroplasticity to ultimately serve you better.
2: Is daily box breathing something that can help with that fight or flight over time? Or is it going to require coming in and retraining the brain? Like if you constantly are having moments of panic and fight or flight, mm-hmm. Would box breathing in that moment kind of calm your body down, signal it to relax, or is there something someone can do when they
0: feel those feelings coming on to prevent it from worsening? So – great question. I would say most things, mental health, right and ge- like counseling, things like that which I'm a huge proponent of and think is the best, that's more on the what do I do when this happens, mm-hmm. right? We have a lot of tools of when I have a panic attack, when I get anxious, when I feel depressed, what do I do? Neurofeedback is the how do we keep from getting there in the first place? Yeah. So I would say If someone was extremely dedicated and was doing box breathing, tapping every single day, I believe over an extended period of time it can change brainwave activity. That's also then the question like, you know, when people are like, well, I do it. Do you do it super consistently? Are you doing it, you know, a 100 times a day? It's kind of we have these, you know, monks into bed who can sit in a theta place, you know, all day long. I don't have time to meditate for 10 hours a day. Like your girl's busy. So <laughs> neurofeedback, I feel like is so such a more tangible, hey, come in, let's train twice a week, let's maybe do 50 sessions and kind of, you know, get that, get that rolling and get your brain to a better place a whole lot faster than, you know, somebody definitely could be dedicated enough to do that for, you know, years on years. I think that sometimes we, you know, forget those things.
1: Do you guys support the latest trend on microdosing with mushrooms, psychedelics, things that are helping people who are addicted to drugs, people who have been through Traumatizing Ketamine um, therapy For depression mm-hmm. has. Yeah been, I mean yeah. It's To me I've taken Mushrooms before I liked it It was just more for fun But uh,
0: What's your guys' Take on it Yeah so And this is You know probably I'm not speaking For the company Right now This is Like the Personal. company Yeah this is This is Angie Stories with Angie um, <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I I definitely I think that there Is such a place For ketamine I've seen some Really cool You know results With it I haven't necessarily Seen it be Long-standing mm-hmm. Right somebody Who maybe does ketamine might feel differently The clients that I have seen who have done it It's more of a I need to feel better Right now so I did it um, Here's what I would say about microdosing: I have seen some really Cool research come out about it um, And the brain scans that they've done Before and after here's the hard Thing about that What are you getting? Where are you getting it from? What is the dose for your? None of those things are really super researched and regulated. So I would not recommend it to a client. Did you go down to 16th street and like buy some drug? You know what I mean? Like (laughs) (laughs) you're growing it in your backyard. Like what are we talking about here? Right. So that's not something that is regulated yet. And I've had people come in who have had some really Bad trips Who it was yep. less of the micro And more of just the Like getting high So ew, You know yeah. Pros and cons to that For sure
2: So One of my friends Friends He had done acid It was recreational use mm-hmm. And After that He has never been the same Yeah Is that something You've seen before also And how does that kind of work Because that scared me away From psychedelics For a while For For a while <laughs>
0: I said nothing (laughs) for a minute. I was scared for two weeks.
2: But really, he is a shell of a human. He is severely anxious and a little bit of multiple personality disorder
0: now. I mean, once again, right to what I just said, that's the reality, right? That, you know, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know what you're taking. You know, there isn't like a, hey, for you for, you know, your weight to get only this high. So we used to have neurofeedback we were the contractors for like Aspen Ridge um, Drug and Alcohol Rehab Facility. Um, So we actually have specialized in addictions and whatnot in tandem with neurofeedback. And there is some really incredible results with neurofeedback for addictions, right? Not that I'm saying your friend was addicted, but right. basically drugs on the brain, right? So we have done so many brain maps on people who have been addicted to, you know, all different kinds of drugs, heroin, meth, all these different things, acid and there is a lot that can be gained back. Your brain is neuroplastic. It is willing to change. There also is the reality that some damage is done, right? Mm. I would definitely encourage your friend, like, hey, go in, get a brain map, see if they're, you know, kind of, what is the situation? Where are we at? And that I think is the beautiful thing about a brain map that it's going to tell us like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's where we are. Obviously, we don't have a brain map from before that situation for him but we can probably give him a pretty good idea of you know maybe where he was at before and probably what was caused by that situation and then you know his brain also might have snowballed like maybe you know getting into a you know super intense state of high beta prefrontal cortex where he's really reactive and now his brain has kind of snowballed in it maybe was three standard deviations above the mean now it's six right but i really do believe that the brain and the body are capable of healing themselves a lot of times we just need help doing that and kind of the good old boy like just you know wish it away No, we all need help. And neurofeedback is a way to give your brain that help.
1: What is one story that has blown your mind that you can think of that is like, wow, this is what keeps me doing what I do? Mm -hmm. Because I know in my industry, I'll see a wow before and after. Mm -hmm. And it changes their life. It's my drive to keep going. Can you tell me a story that...
0: Oh my gosh! And I'm sure you yeah. have a I could probably give you a thousand stories, and I was so blessed to have been in clinical for so long that I treated people myself. Right? Mm. That I you know, now I do our business development and I do all of our consultations. So anyone that's going to come into Brain Code Centers and and want to do neurofeedback has to meet with Rachel or myself, and we love that. That's why we keep it kind of so close to the chest that we want to be able to do that. But I was in clinical for so long that I was able to treat people myself. Kids are pretty powerful stories because kids have a harder time advocating for themselves, right? That we have kids commanding parents are, you know, my kid is so wild. My kid, you know, has really horrible behavioral issues and stuff. And brain maps are like a visual form of grace. You look at them and it just brings so much grace and understanding for couples, for parents with kids, just to understand They're not choosing it, right? It is literally happening in their brain neurologically. We do actually train a lot of kids who have been adopted. When I say adopted, even from birth, right? Like picked up from the hospital, you know, well, they shouldn't have any problems. You know, they were perfectly healthy. Inner utero trauma. There's so many things that happen. And these kids, you know, are showing all of these signs of really severe trauma and people are confused because they, you know, quote unquote, you know, nothing happened to them. And I've seen kids go from, you know, Basically learning disabilities To excelling in school Being able to you know Look at their parents and say I love you And mean it I mean, just, you know, we've had parents like weeping in the offices. That is so powerful. I'm thinking of a woman, an adult, who she had some really severe travel anxiety, both in cars and couldn't get on a plane, no way, and like wouldn't drive. And by the time she was done, and she did maybe 45 sessions of neurofeedback. So this is not someone who, you know, she did 200 sessions. No, she had a very regular program. And... Had no problems driving. She actually flew to China on a vacation oh. with her husband and texted me when she was like, I never thought I'd be able to do this again. You know, who am I? Just and I could literally give you story after story after story of people, you know, coming in extremely skeptical, right? Like, what is this? Is this some weird snake oil? Brain training and leaving <laughs> going, oh my gosh, I, you know, I'm a I'm a new human.
2: I wanna ask, I'll go down a list of certain things, and I want you to tell me what effect they have
0: on the brain. Mm-hmm.
2: Let's start with alcohol.
0: So, yes, alcohol, and I am a partaker in <laughs> the oca- yeah. the occasional
1: yeah. glass of wine. I got here when I met her. She was she was celebrating her
0: best <laughs> life. It was awesome. I love live it an actual life. best life. I know to say that I was not already a a little toasty. Rachel and I may or may not have started at the Jacquard at like 11 a.m. that day. And you met us at like six. But regardless, um, alcohol is a downer, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to produce more theta wave activity, more slow wave activity in the brain. And especially when we pe- see people who we could see, I could look at any brain map and tell you if you were to use A drug or drink or something like One probably how many drinks It would take for you to start to feel it And what you would actually enjoy Right and that's you know so Validating for people who maybe have struggled with Let's say alcohol addiction like Mm. why is this My battle well because your brain is Lit all the time just running (laughs) running Running and you have three drinks Yeah Yeah. and now you feel like a regular Person right I hear that from People who smoke weed you know I feel normal and I'm using Normal in quotations Mm -hmm. just because you know everyone one's normal is different. But, you know, some people, they smoke a little bit of weed and they feel super high. Other people feel quote unquote normal. It's how far our brain is outside the standard deviation. And then basically those substances are taking us closer to the norm and making us feel more normal. When they say that tequila is the only upper alcohol, is that true? Good one. That's a great question. I wouldn't say that I've mapped too many people who are like Boozy when they get mapped because we tell them not to. Um, but there are different. I'll be your first draft. Yeah, yeah, we'll be your guinea pigs. I I did have a guy come in one time for his brain map and our brain maps are, you know, they're, it's not for free. And he goes, um, I just came from a happy hour. Is that okay? I was like, oh, no, it's, no, it's not. So we're going to reschedule and you didn't read the paperwork. So yeah, tequila, things like that. alcohol is still a downer, but how it makes your heart race and different things like that, people's bodies experience those things differently. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. What about hours of sleep per night? I know everyone is going to be very different. It depends on hitting REM, but someone who's averaging four hours a night,
0: what does that look like on a brain? So I don't love when people are like, I get five hours and it's okay. I only need five hours. Nobody only needs five hours. Mm -hmm. There is no magic brain that like only needs 20 minutes and you're good. Everybody needs like seven to eight hours of sleep. Now, if you feel rested in the morning like that, you know, good for you – it'll catch up to you. Like it's coming for you, right? That our sleep is so critical. Our brain heals in sleep. Like, I mean, there's all these different valves that are only working when you're in like REM cycle sleep, right? And we see people, we do specialize a lot with brain injuries and, you know, people who've had brain injuries, especially more severe TBIs have a harder time getting into REM cycle sleep. So someone who is not sleeping as well, it can look a couple of different ways. I do see people who have way too much delta wave activity, which is sleep wave activity happening during the day. That's going to be somebody who you experience. Yeah. Like narcoleptic? They're going to be a lot slower. <laughs> like they're going to be pretty kind of foggy, kind of slow, talks a little bit slow because their brain is literally having to pedal through mud to kind of get mm-hmm. up and going. You also then have people who are super, super fast, tons of beta and high beta, which is why when they actually go down to lay down to sleep, their brains are lit, right? Mm -hmm. So they have a hard time falling asleep. Maybe they wake up during the night. That's actually called beta spindling where you have beta wave activity, which is a wake wave activity interjected within your sleep pattern. So you wake up throughout the night and then, yeah, then you have a hard time when you wake up in the morning, you feel, you know, foggy and crummy and, you know,
1: I feel like a lot of creatives and a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time sleeping because my brain starts going. I'm always thinking about work all the time, but when I'm at rest, sometimes I'll think about, Like social media, what I'm going to post next or my next special, whatever. And it's really hard for me to just shut it off. I've been better now that I've exercised more. I've cut out alcohol a lot more. But
0: it's definitely difficult. You more delta for me. waves. Yeah. Is
1: that <laughs> right? Did I get
0: that right? Delta theta. Yes. Yes. And you're hundred percent right that I know a lot of, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, Rachel and myself included, who have, I have tons of beta spindling and I have a lot of fast wave activity. Mm. And that's awesome because you get stuff done. You're successful. All those things. Your brain should be able to transition down when it needs to. And that's just the flexibility issue, right? That you might have some of that wave activity, but your brain really isn't able to access it.
2: Mm. So how do you know if you've hit REM? So when I did my brain scan, whatever that was, he basically told me that it appears I probably haven't hit a real REM deep sleep in a very long time. Again, it wasn't someone who specialized in this industry, but how can you tell if you've hit REM? Is it based off of your dreams? First of all, when
1: we drove back from Nashville and she was in the passenger I have, I have a video of her REM sleep. Yeah. Her mouth was so open. hungover. Should you <laughs> do? <laughs> I do. And I'm, I'm hopefully we can add this clip. Oh my but god. But she so had weird. her face against the window with her mouth open.
0: Oh and my god. She was just
1: out. Just even not t- with the living. Yeah. But anyway, that's the hungover REM.
0: So you can definitely be sleeping, right? And like quote unquote sleeping and not not getting good sleep, not getting restorative sleep, yeah. but like eyes closed, looking like you're sleeping, right? The brain maps that we do, because obviously we don't we don't do a sleep brain map. You're not asleep. We do eyes closed though. And your brain is gonna spike different wave activity when your eyes are closed as it mimics sleep to the brain. So when you close your eyes, your brain's like, oh, is it is it go time? Or we, you know, should we start going to sleep? So we can see what your brain is starting to produce. So we are able to tell you probably what your sleep patterns look like. Um, some people track their sleep more closely. I have an aura ring that I track my sleep with. I also REM sleep is a fickle mistress to me like she does not come around often and I fight for it so some people track their sleep differently some people that psychs them out to track their sleep but that yeah, that some... would freak me out no offense but I'm like I don't want to track my sleep I, I don't know I don't it's know. like
1: I don't I also don't track my steps. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm all, I don't give a shit how many <laughs> steps I fucking walked all day long. Yeah. But I can see how people would want to
0: kind of control that and say, how could I improve it? Yeah, or especially make if it's something better. you're actively working on, you know, that can be helpful. Yeah. But really, you're probably going to notice by the way that you feel, right? If you're feeling more alert during the day, if you're not having brain fog, these different things are telling you that the sleep that you're getting is better, more restorative sleep. What does weed do to the brain? oh, man, a, marijuana causes frontal alpha slowing over time, slows your processing speed. It's not a winner. And I know weed it is... Sounds like Mike's husband. It, weed is a big thing. Kidding? I mean, we're in Colorado, right? <laughs> makes it makes so much sense man, now. It's all yes.
1: coming together.
0: <laughs> it It's tough because people are like, well, it's natural. Well, it's fine. It's healthy. It's all these things. I'm never going to be a proponent because I see what it does, you know, long time to the brain, especially I have kids that come in and tell me that they don't smoke weed. And then we do brain maps. And I'm like, are you gonna tell your mom or am i gonna tell your mom <laughs> like you were oh, really? oh yeah you were me homie like it, it's here it's obvious wow. so oh yeah people think they can hide stuff in brain maps or just you like straight everything. light in my face <laughs> yeah i'm like mm, okay okay yeah <laughs>
2: that's like when you're the doctor they ask how many drinks per week and you have to fill it yeah. in and and you're, you're like all, one on average yes they're like how many times yeah. one, a
1: month ish <laughs> Less
0: than that, even (laughs) maybe. It's always
1: make, it's like, do you drink on occasion or never? I'm all is Drinks- every day the occasion. <laughs> it is. <laughs>
0: Survives
1: another day. Well, this is a little shamey. So yeah.
0: Well, what about Don't CBD? Judge. So just pure yeah. CBD for sleep. What do you think of that? Great question. Not all CBD is created equal. I will just mm. say that straight up. So we actually have done a ton of clinical trials ourselves. So obviously, these are just us doing it brain maps before and after using different CBD products mm-hmm. from different vendors and whatnot who have basically brought their products to us saying like, hey, will you promote our product? And we're like, well, not without looking at what it does. And not all CBD is created equal. I've definitely seen CBD where you're taking, I mean, A larger dose of CBD And it does literally Nothing to the brain And then we do have CBD products Or there are products Out there that Actually like Bring down High beta wave activity One to two Standard deviations With one like Tincture full So there are Some cool products Out there There's also A type of CBD We actually carry Magic I think it's M-A-J-I-C CBD um, In office Because they honestly Had the best product That we've seen Um, One of their products Is more of an upper So it's actually Going to create a little more beta wave activity in the brain, give you a little bit more focus, more motivation. And then they have one that is going to bring down some of that high beta. None of it, it's not long lasting, right? It's more of that kind of I need this at the at this moment. Um, But I think there are some great products out there. But I think that there are some that they really don't do anything, you know, so people are spending a whole lot of money, not necessarily knowing exactly what you're taking, because like, oh, it says CBD. Mm -hmm. What's actually in there? What's it mixed with, you know, all these different things. And that's not super regulated. So you can kind of just, you know, go to the store and get whatever. Right. So you're
1: saying that marijuana slows down their brain, like the way that they function on a daily
0: basis? (sighs) Are you talking long term? I'm talking about on a daily basis and long-term. So alpha wave activity is critical. We need alpha. You need it in certain areas of the brain. You definitely don't want a lot of frontal alpha. And people who I've seen who have used marijuana regularly over time have frontal alpha slowing. And just symptomology-wise, it's kind of, you know, the joke of like the pothead who's kind of slow and kind of, you know – Maybe not as intellectual these days, but actually, though, like it slows your processing speed and causes frontal alpha slowing. Your prefrontal cortex is where you have decision making. It's like Mm -hmm. the CEO of your brain. So you're basically just like pumping the brakes on your CEO all the time. Wow. Wow
2: my mom always told me that and i never believed her i just (laughs) thought she was super conservative and yeah but it is true and she's seen studies with moms who have smoked weed during pregnancy and how that affects their baby so
0: it's pretty insane but i want to wrap it up and end with are you on tiktok I'm not on, t- I'm actually honestly the like the worst at social media. We definitely have social media. Rachel is the champion of that because <laughs> I honestly, to make a reel would probably take me days. Like <laughs> I'd be I Googling how to do it. I don't, I don't have a TikTok. You'll don't never
1: u- get sleep. Don't start. Oh, yeah. God, don't even don't. understand it. Yeah. <laughs> don't start.
0: <Love> it.
2: But <laughs> without being said, there's a trend on TikTok where it's an expert in their field saying five things I'd never do. After the knowledge you've learned in your industry. So, for example, five things a dermatologist would never do as if they were just an average person. So what are three things you would never do after working in
0: neurofeedback? Three things Angel and I should never do. Man, just off the top of my head, I would just never do drugs. It's to me that's kind of... Your brain is 100% your best asset for anything, right? That as humans, we kind of tend on like to focus on the neck down, right? Focusing on our bodies and building those. Your brain is your best asset. So putting stuff into your best asset that's not going to help it is a a real bummer. I would never work a night shift. I know that sleep is like so incredibly critical, all those things. This is not a, I would never, because obviously I do, but I would really cut down on like processed foods. Okay. Um, just what processed foods do to your brain, all this, you know, what all does these, do? all these synthetic things that we're putting in our brain over the last probably even 20, 30 years, like the increase that we've seen in, in mental health, right? Mm. Suicide rates, anxiety, yeah. mm-hmm. all these things are through the roof. Mm-hmm. And if you look just trending ri- wise, right? What, what are things that have increased? we process the heck out of our food, right? Eat more whole foods, drink more water. Those things are really that it's just brain food, right? All those things are going to really serve your brain better. Now, if you need the occasional pizza, like you do, you don't hold back, eat it, That's enjoy right. your life. But <laughs> a lot of our quote unquote health foods are really highly processed. So not I would never, but I would
1: pump
0: the little What do the brakes you think of this bit. energy drink right here? Don't so I <laughs> just I don't drink energy I'm drinks. Wrong. I no. I actually don't drink caffeine. I haven't drank caffeine wow. in like ten years. Okay. Yeah. It just doesn't serve me well. So I'd make your machine blow up in your office.
1: (laughs) The machine (laughs) blow up.
0: You would need a new one. They're like, this bitch is out of control. I don't know. Just
1: smoking. This literal smoke happening. You have everything going off. All these
2: alerts. I'm kidding. You've really taken control of your health, and it's. it's I'm better, but but I'm still
1: not like. But it's awesome,
0: right? And like you said, you've noticed a lot of things like that helps manage your anxiety and those things, and that that is critical. What we put into our bodies and what we do with our bodies, all those things affect each other. Your stomach is your second brain. So it matters.
1: I just want to personally thank you for coming in and taking time out to explain this. And actually, I'm looking forward to my appointment with you guys because I've been dragging my feet (laughs) mostly because I'm like, I don't want to know that I'm crazy. I already know I'm crazy. And that was my joke with it, you know. So and I apologize. It's not anything to um, dismiss what you're doing it was more of like sometimes people are afraid to actually face the truth of what they're going through. oh it's
0: intimidating a hundred percent so
1: thanks for bringing awareness i'm going to make sure my son chops down his weed plants (laughs) for this program (laughs) he would never
0: thank you so much and where can they find you where can they book an appointment absolutely they can follow us at brain code centers on instagram at BrainCodes, they can go to our website, BrainCodeCenters.com. Like I said, they will always meet with Rachel or myself uh, before we do anything. And I would say we are really great about making neurofeedback cost affordable, right? That That's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, people worry about, can I afford it? You know, what is it going to look like? It's, you know... It's science. It's about your brain. It really is a visual form of grace to understand what's going on. And then, obviously, I believe that the treatment is completely 100 percent life changing. So they can, you know, they can definitely come to us, and we're happy to take care of them. Well, I'm excited to book my appointment. Thank you so much. Absolutely, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank
1: you. It hurts to be pretty. 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 pretty.